Hello and welcome to episode 56 of the Arena Regulars podcast. I'm Zach. And I'm Jeff. And we're your source for weekly drunken Magic the Gathering Arena content. Yeah, basically we're just regular dudes drinking irregular beers, talking about magic and, uh, you know, brewing up some potions in our when we study our alchemy. So. Yeah, <laughs> which we're going to be doing later this week, uh, I'm sure. I was like, wait, what did alchemists do again? <laughs> <laughs> they make metal into gold is what they do. Um, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> just random scrap metals. Anyway, uh, each week we both bring a beer, we drink our own, then drink each other's, rate them on a scale of bronze to mythic, and choose the best for last. So with that, Jeff, what is on tap? All right, this week I brought a Big Head Amber... And it's from Good Lot, or no, I think it's called Good Lot, and it's a Big Head Amber is the style. I'm not sure, but it's from Farmstead Brewing Co. Nice. It's, it's one of those things where it looks like there's three names on it, one of which I'm sure is the brewery, and the other two I don't know how they're uh, affiliated. <laughs> but uh, it's it's a Big Head Amber in style, and Good Lot is the name is what I'm going to go for. And um, yeah, I don't think I've ever tried anything from Farmstead Brewing. And I like Ambers, so I'm excited to give this one a go. Sweet. Um, I have brought Cosmic Latte, which I believe is from Beyond the Pale. Um, mm -hmm. Yes, Ottawa Brewing Company, so you must know them. And I do. Uh, this is their white stout with coffee and cacao nibs at 6%, and it has a picture of a latte in space. There's also just like a white picket fence logo on it. Is that their logo? Yeah, that's the Beyond the Pale logo. Okay. Um, yeah. Oh, I see now. Okay, Beyond the Pale fence. I guess they're trying to say that they don't make a lot of... They want to make things that are not pale ales and IPAs. Yeah, exactly. Which I like. Uh, they do have an IPA, which is kind of their flagship, but it's it's still a bit atypical. They're trying to steer clear of like the everyday beers. Gotcha. Magic news. <laughs> All right, well, we already talked about it a little bit, but Alchemy is a new format that we are getting on Arena. Um, it, big news, out of nowhere, actually. Yeah, uh, I just like saw rumblings about the new format on Twitter. I was like, what new format? So I went and looked it up, and I was like, oh, so it's like modern digital age standard, I guess. Yeah. Modern in like the, the meaning of the word, not the format. Not the format. That is super old. Yeah. Um, basically, yeah. Alchemy is a standard rotating format where there are digital only cards as well as rebalanced standard cards. So it has the same standard card pool mm -hmm. plus whatever other cards they want to give it, I guess, that are new to like digital only. And then they rebalance things like Auron's Epiphany or Goldspan Dragon and change them so they're not as busted. And it's kind of just a way of nerfing or buffing cards, uh, things that only digital formats could do. And as opposed to, of course, paper, you cannot, um, you, you can only ban stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. So we'll be talking about alchemy in depth a little later. It's a pretty divisive issue, so I'm excited to get into it. But, yeah. Uh, we have some other things to talk about first. We do, uh, which we had the Draft Arena open this weekend. Uh, Jeff, did you get a chance to play in it at all? I know we were both pretty busy. Yeah, I did not. Uh, so as it turns out, I've, we have some friends that uh, decided to go on vacation. And they recently you know, bought a house and have a, a dog that, that lives here. And so they asked us to kind of come out and stay in their house uh, for about a week 
while they were on vacation to take care of their dog and, you know, I guess the house as well. And so Saturday was when we were driving them to the airport and then coming back here and getting everything set up, you know, going grocery shopping for the week and figuring out how everything works and the routine we're supposed to have for the dog and stuff. So in the end, I, I actually kind of forgot about it during the few hours when I had free and probably could have played uh, mm-hmm. a round or whatever. Um, but it was like, you know, a very hectic day. Uh, and also, side note, if you do hear a dog, uh, there might there is one here. So, <laughs> so it's that... usually pretty pretty quiet. But if he senses uh, some sort of intruder, he will bark and run run at the door like like a lot of dogs do. So that makes sense. Dogs dogs do that. Um, I hope your buddy filled up the fridge with a lot of beer for the week. But uh... Uh, yeah, there is so much Budweiser here. So hey, we know that yeah, you like he, that beer now. So exactly, he must have heard that I ranked it number one and, and yeah. bought a hundred of them. So oh, that's great. Um, yeah, I I had a busy weekend as well, but I was just working the whole time. So I closed mm-hmm. five days in a row at the distillery I work at, and. Um, Friday night I came back late and then, um, I pulled a Jeff and didn't really set my alarm or woke up and changed my alarm, but I was planning on playing the arena open in the morning before I had to go work a wedding. And so I just woke up at like 11 or 12 and was like, Oh my God, I have to be at work at two, like in two hours and I have to eat and, you know, shower and things. So I couldn't squeeze it in. Um, however, when I finished the wedding, I got home around two o'clock. And I got on Arena just to, like, decompress. And I, I saw on the timer, it said, oh, I was like, oh, the event's only open for three more minutes. I was like, well, okay. Well, I was kind of hoping I'd be able to do it, but maybe not. So I played a, a game of uh, Historic. And when I got out of it, it still said I had, like, three minutes left. And I looked, I was like, oh, that's three hours left. I was like, oh, oh snap. <laughs> okay. So then I was like, uh, I might as well just try. And I ended up shooting one bullet and... Uh, going seven and one with like this pretty crappy white red deck. It felt like trash and they <laughs> were, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it was just cause it was super late and there's only some people still trying to squeeze in, but my, I got very lucky and my opponents made some really bad mistakes that were like, Oh, if you didn't kill my parish paladin or whatever, my counter wouldn't go on my other creature and I wouldn't, have lethal on this turn you could have killed any other creature and i you wouldn't have died but instead you killed the only creature that makes it so that you actually die <laughs> so so you're saying the tip for future arena opens is just start them at like 2 30 in the morning yeah i think so because everyone else who's really serious about it has already played and, and qualified so they're not playing anymore you're playing against whoever right. all the people that are either drunk like me a little bit or worked a wedding <laughs> Um, yeah, so then very I, tired. <laughs> yeah, I had to work the next day as well. So I got up early, so I didn't sleep very much to play. And then I went mm-hmm. one and two right off the bat with, a another kind of crappy white green deck. So, um, anyway, I had lots Ooh, of that's fun not where you want to be. Yeah, it was not good. Um, <laughs> I should not have drafted the way I did. Um, but, uh, Hey, what are you going to do? So, uh, I did have some fun though, because, in the first draft, I had to pass a Soren in pack three because I did not go into black like I should have earlier. And then um, I had to pass a Chandra in day two because I was like, <laughs> I was firmly white green. I was like, well, 
uh, a red planeswalker that cares about red cards, probably not good for my deck, so I will not take that yeah, card. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so that was funny to pass two like mythic planeswalkers being like, all right, so not the bombs I was looking for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But in any case, that's the first time I've made day two of Arena open, so that was that felt pretty good. Yeah, that's awesome, dude. And mm. with one shot too, so. You probably like ended up breaking even on gems or something. No, I gained some. I didn't realize if you day two. Oh, great! If you don't win any matches, even if you don't win, you get five thousand gems. So you get your yeah, yeah. You so you get something. I didn't realize it was that much though. Yeah, it's literally just what you paid to get into the last event. So I I made like oh, two thousand. So you're, you're up like two thousand five hundred or, or whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that felt pretty go. good. I was like, hey, okay, no skin off my back. Yeah. Up a draft, uh, a draft or two. Yeah, so it was good. I'm really happy they did it. I hope they do more. And um, yeah, a lot of fun. I think I'm much better at draft ones than I am constructed. Um, I'm starting to realize. So yeah, yeah. I was trying to like gather how people felt about it. You know, see if there's a lot of positive reaction. Uh, checking Twitter and stuff. And um, you know, we were talking about this before. All we really see is just people posting their decks and and their record so mm -hmm. like oh i went one and two or i went seven and one or whatever um but i'm taking that as a good thing because if there was a problem or it wasn't well received magic twitter would have let you know that's ex that's <laughs> definitely true yeah so yeah I, I do think everything went off without a hitch and people were really happy about it um though i do remember from the alchemy announcement i'm pretty sure the next arena open is alchemy so Ooh. Um, kind of gives you more of a reason to actually play the format as well, besides being interested. Yeah, I mean, that's just, that's just makes sense for them to do. Oh, of course. So, uh, but we'll be getting into that in the later part of the episode. But first, there is another huge thing that happened this weekend, and we have to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Innistrad Championship, baby. Yeah. Yeah. Well, wait, aren't, what, what formats did they play? Well, they played Standard and Historic. But isn't, like, a whole bunch of new Historic cards getting added on thursday and then they're changing the standard format also to something else on thursday yeah um but we did get an announcement of it hmm. right before the championship just so everyone playing knew that <laughs> it didn't really matter i guess <laughs> yeah knew, knew that none of the deck lists mattered yeah um so yeah, it's just typical wizards fashion right even yeah. this event was you know all lined up to be a normal event with some cool formats that have recently changed and we're going to see how the pros handle it. And then they're like, we got to make up a new format to throw all of that off. Well, let's announce it the day before. <laughs> By the way, here's like 20 <laughs> or 25 new cards that are going to be in standard yeah. and historic <laughs> or in, sorry, alchemy standard. Um, <laughs> yeah. So originally we wanted to talk about the different uh, decks you should be looking to play and what you're expecting to see in historic and stuff. This is not going to be the case because all of these decks will change because some of the cards are getting rebalanced <laughs> forever. <laughs> it's, <Yeah>. like, <laughs> it's, it's just so weird. What, what a time That's to be great. alive. Uh, but let's at yeah. least talk about the, uh, the tournament that happened and uh, the, the metagames as they would have reflected. Um, I, I mean, we're, we're still going to see some um, kind of ripples from this tournament through uh if you're playing historic and things for sure but uh but yeah jeff do we want to start with standard because it's um well you know standard it's the first one i guess <laughs> yeah sure um right so the standard metagame actually was pretty much exactly what you'd expect i think yeah um 
maybe people are a little surprised that Mono White wasn't number one or that Is It Epiphany was so much. So the top three decks were Is It Epiphany at 38.1% of the field, Mono White at 20.2, and then kind of a distant third, Mono Green at 9.9. And that's exactly what we expected. We knew those were the best three decks, and then we knew that Mono Green was the worst of the three. And so these numbers kind of reflect that. And this doesn't surprise me at all either, be that, you know, and recently we've been seeing Mono White as the number one deck. Is it Epiphany as the number two? But when mm. you factor in the fact that everyone playing in this event is a pro or very, very good, um, those thing those tournaments tend to overrepresent decks like Is it Epiphany, whereas decks with more, let's say, <laughs> human players uh, tend to overrepresent the aggro decks. Mm. Yeah, things that are more linear tend to uh, lend themselves to um, everyone, uh, while some of the other yeah. <laughs> uh, decks, um, why you would see a Yuta Takahashi win with Is It Dragons, and then you see that deck everywhere and it can't do anything because people aren't piloting it yeah. the way that Yuta Takahashi pilots it. So, um, <laughs> And even before he built it, nobody could win with that deck. He's like just the only one that could win with that exactly. deck. Exactly. So sometimes you have to, you know, Think about a lot of those things. It is important to note, like, this looks huge. You're like, oh, I bet, you know, Mono White is just preying on Is It Epiphany and all this stuff, or uh, these decks are built to try to attack Is It Epiphany. Um, mm -hmm. Six of the players that made the top eight uh, were playing Is It Epiphany in standard. Um, now, they're doing a lot of work in their historic decks and some different things, and there's some more stories with that, but it still was, you know, dominated. <laughs> Yeah, it revealed itself to once again be the best deck, I think. Mm -hmm. um, the, one of the reasons I say, too, that it's overrepresented in the pro uh, tournaments is not just that you know the play patterns are sometimes a little more complicated, but it's also that the, the deck list has so much flexibility. Mm -hmm. uh, like, if you look at two different players who tested with two different teams, their decks are going to look a lot more different than two different mono-white players. The mono-white aggro deck, it's kind of, there's a consensus best list with a few slots that you can change. Mm -hmm. Whereas Is It Epiphany is like all over the place. Some people even play the combo in the sideboard and don't even start it. Some people play creatures like Leer and Dragon's Egg and yeah. uh, you know, Smoldering Egg, sorry, and some people don't. It's like everyone just has different. And so pros will naturally uh, gravitate towards something that has a lot of knobs to tune for mm -hmm. the metagame. And yeah. so this deck has a lot of knobs to tune. And if you guess the metagame right, then you're going to be able to smack like if you know mono white's going to be the only deck you really have to worry about then that's mm. a different story than if you have to worry about three different decks exactly um so and as you can see in that top eight as well there are a few decks that are uh the same but that's because they were testing together and then uh the other outliers but yeah i mean we gotta call out like you know mono black zombies making the top eight that's pretty sick that's so sick like, I didn't even yeah. think that was a... I mean, I, I was hoping that that deck might be a thing. So we were talking about a tribal deck making, yeah. doing well. You were hoping for vampires, but it looks like zombies <laughs> really pulled it I out. I guess it was zombies, yeah. <laughs> Which is one of the ones we had talked about. So um, I don't know if that means you're supposed to take a shot soon, or <laughs> mm -hmm. does that count as your shot? I don't know. Um, but then the other uh, standard deck that made it to the top eight was Mono Green Aggro. Uh, so no Mono White, uh, which is crazy. Not right. not for a while. I think the 17th place is as high as Mono White uh, standard deck went. So, yeah. Um, it did have a bit of a target on its back, but it's still 
you know, seems like it would be resilient enough that it should still be pretty good, but just didn't have a great tournament. Yeah, exactly. Um, but like, do you want to talk about historic as well? Uh, just to get some of the metagame stuff. Yeah, I guess the only other thought I had, I just thought of it right now looking yeah. at this metagame for a standard, is that if you roll it back like a week or something, people are talking about, is it control taking over? Is it Epiphany? You know, nobody playing Epiphany and everyone playing Hullbreaker Horror instead. Mm -hmm. And it looks like that just wasn't the case at all. Everyone, that was just kind of the flavor of the week flash in the pan. And then everyone's like, no, wait, Epiphany's better and went back. And maybe put a Hullbreaker Horror in the sideboard or something. Yeah. A few of these, I think the uh, this Japanese team that dominated, which we'll talk a little bit about, does have a Hullbreaker Horror in the, the main deck, but they're still playing the combo yeah. anyway. So it's like, yeah, we'll put one in there just to also have that as a thing. So They had like one of each creature, which I mm -hmm. love. They had like one Smoldering Egg, one Leer, and one Horror. Yeah. It's like your opponent never knows what to play around. It's like, what's going on? <laughs> so, yeah. uh, which I think, once again, you know, Yuta Takahashi did that and it literally the reasoning is it's harder to play around because there's so many different mm -hmm. cards they could have um which is true right like if you think they have <clears throat> horror that's really different than if you think they have leer mm -hmm. yeah the game completely changes so and those cards work mm -hmm. really well together because obviously leer draws you your whole graveyard basically <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> and you can counter stuff that <laughs> nobody <laughs> you can't like play counters but like a breaker lets you bounce stuff so or bounce spells on the stack it, it just seems fun yeah <laughs> now it's not the kind of deck that i'm good at or could play but uh those are the kinds of things like oh i see that's cheeky i like it but yeah the historic metagame now uh moving on is a lot more interesting because they're a lot closer in, in percentages here there's not one deck that's just 40 another deck that's 20 and then the rest of the field um so here we had Celestia Humans as the number one deck at 16.3%. Is it Phoenix at 13.5? Heliod Company, which is like green-white life gain combo at 10.3. Uh, and then you just have a whole bunch in the like five to eight range. Golgari Food, Jeskai Control, Jund Food. So if you put the, Jund, the foods together, that's the second most played deck. Uh, and then Rakdos Arcanist and yeah. et cetera, et cetera. It's like, why there's no auras? What's going on? What happened? This auras is bad. Uh, <laughs> we just got a new creature. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man. Oh. So. Yep, happy to see no auras. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think, are we in the other category? Let me see. I'm going to just scroll quickly to see if there's actually any auras player well, at sure, all. I'm sure somebody did. Yeah, there were five Azorius auras. Okay, and there's some Enchantress. All right, so that you know that that feels good. Um, it was cool to see that uh, represent. Yeah, represent. Um, there were some uh, goblins came back a little bit. Yeah, Lishi Tian, I believe, Wait. was playing mono red goblins. Yeah, one one player. Mm -hmm. <laughs> love uh, it. <laughs> which coverage was giving a lot of love to that deck. I think we got to see it a few times through the weekend. I saw some. Uh, when I was Man, the to times have out. changed. Yeah, where everyone's like, oh, yeah, play Muxus, it's so cool, you know? Go Goblins! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like a year ago, we're like, okay, Goblins, goblins is so frustrating, we need to beat this deck, I hate it so much. And ban Muxus, ban him! <laughs> yeah. Um, remember when we said that? Yeah. Well, we didn't say it, but people... Um, yeah. I'm just trying yeah. to be nice The and community said it. Exactly. I'm part of the community. I wasn't saying ban Muxus, but we as an entity... Mm -hmm. 
we're saying that. So just remember, you know, hey, sometimes you don't have to ban things. It just takes time. Everything takes time. Yeah. Why didn't you just predict predict that they would print such outrageously increasing power, yeah. increasingly I mean, powerful <laughs> cards so as to make Luxus just okay? Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, as well with the historic metagame and going to which ones made it to the top eight, which is what we normally mm-hmm. care about. Um, we have about three, is it Phoenix decks? There are, uh, there's one Just Guy Creativity deck and then three Golgari mm-hmm. Food and then a Celestia Humans deck, um, which was uh, surprising. I, I was watching Celestia Humans and thinking like, oh, this is going to be, this is this will be like, is it Epiphany? It's just going to go through uh, historic and like really come in uh, big numbers. And it ended up getting uh, preyed mm-hmm. upon pretty pretty uh badly with some of these i think these is it phoenix decks were also like prepared with a ton of removal expecting to have to deal with specifically uh coco decks so yeah exactly i think it was well known that um like green white creature decks were going to make up a huge portion of the field Mm -hmm. in particular the two that you know were a quarter of the field celestia humans and heliod company um, just from reading around like different articles the pros wrote about their testing, it seems like everyone sort of knew that these were very good decks and going to be near the top of the metagame. But, I mean, really the story of the weekend is that uh, there's this Japanese testing team, and they made up yeah. half of the top eight. Half of the top eight they were. Yeah, it's the, crazy. <laughs> so there were five into, five total Japanese players in the top eight, two German and one American. But four of those mm-hmm. Japanese players were working together, and wow, did they just... <laughs> that's insane. Um, <laughs> that's, that's what you call breaking it, you know? They didn't bring any new decks that nobody had seen, which is usually what you think when you say someone broke the format. Mm-hmm. These guys broke the format. They all played the same decks, except one of them had a, a slight change. Mm-hmm. And they just, just destroyed the entire event. <laughs> four yeah, in the top eight out of five is crazy. <laughs> that is... That's insane. Like, isn't it like most of the time if you if you can get two of your players from your team, that's considered like, oh, wow, they really crushed it? Yeah, if you get one, you're happy. You're like, we mm-hmm. did it. And <laughs> be, you get two, it's like, wow, we killed it. Like in your Discord chat being like, all right, well, we're 50% to win the whole tournament. <laughs> like, that's insane. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe that. Um, yeah. And they did. And they did. Um Mm-hmm. Here, do we want to just read over the who is in the top eight? Because we are just like kind of talking about it. All right, yeah. So let's go through the top eight. Up first, we had uh, Christian Hauk, who played Celestia Humans. So the top eight was historic. Yes, that's a p- important information. I am surely going mm-hmm. to get this name wrong, but um, Yo Akake uh, was uh, Jeskai Creativity. Next up is Zachary Keeney, who is on Is It Phoenix. And Simon Gortzen with, with Is It Phoenix as well. And, and shout out to him for the mono black zombies and standard. Yeah. Woo uh, <laughs> Was rooting for you, Simon. Then we had Yuki Ichikawa on Golgari Food. And Yuta Takahashi with Is It Phoenix. What a monster. Current world champion and then just top eights this. No, yeah. no big deal. No big deal. Uh, Toru Saito on Golgari Food. And Riku Kumagai with Golgari Food as well. Um... Coming into it, the people I was looking at most, because I was keeping track of, of records, um, Christian Hauk, who uh, was just like blasting through like the only undefeated player in like the, the longest lasting undefeated player throughout the tournament. Um, of course, you're looking at him being like, oh, this guy's doing so great. Except for the top eight, he just like O2s and he's out. 
Um, I'm starting to think that's a curse because didn't that happen is. to Andre in yeah. the world championship? That's exactly what happened. <laughs> and also really hard yeah. for this tournament. So um, it's important to note that Worlds next year will have twice as many players as it did this year. So this year we had 16. Mm-hmm. Next year it's going to be 32. And so si- the top six players of this tournament get to go to Worlds. So that means that... Oh, okay, of the... Christian. <laughs> so Christian Hauk doesn't make it to Worlds. The other person who, who gets like seventh place is Yuta Takahashi, who already has who an invitation already to is Worlds. Qualified. So of the top eight, the <laughs> yeah. only person who can't go to Worlds is Christian Hauk. Doesn't that suck? Oh, that sucks. <laughs> and he had the best... He had the best main event. That sucks. That sucks so bad. Like, you crush the main event and just, like, <laughs> O2, like, fucking just dip. <laughs> oh. He's like, well, all these other people got two losses as well. They just got them at a different time. <laughs> exactly. Uh, which is really rough. Um, especially playing, like, the Celestina Humans deck in the top eight, where all the other decks are like, oh, we are ready for you, right? Well, he's a great player. He'll, I'm sure he'll get there. Exactly. Or I hope he gets. hope he gets there after this. Um, and with the news, I mean, like, we're going to spoil this, obviously, because there's no spoiler in sports, but, um, uh, the winner of the top bracket was Simon Gordson, and he ended up going to the title match, and then the bottom bracket, fighting through everything, was... Yuki Ichikawa, mm. Gari Food. Who ended up... You know what? I... <laughs> taking it home. Yes. I, I love you a lower what? bracket winner. I, it's, it's so nice. Oh, yeah. It's, I mean, everyone loves an underdog, but that's great. Yeah. The other thing I wanted to say... Is that, do you remember back when we were talking about Worlds and when uh, Wizards was posting a bunch of the players on Twitter? Mm-hmm. Uh, they were trying to post and talk about Yoshihiku Ikawa, but instead mm-hmm. they posted about Yuki Ichikawa. Do you remember that? Right. Yeah. And so he was mm-hmm. like in Worlds and everyone was like, oh, is that, that's not a person that's in Worlds. Well, th- Right. I think they predicted the future. Now he, now, yeah, he, now he's going to be in Worlds next year, and he won this tournament. That's I thought that was so weird. That was the source of their mistake. They were looking too far in advance. Exactly. And then you know they, that intern, they're like, "No, shut up, shut up." That's, yeah, that's next year's Worlds, idiot. So this means that Wizards has an orb that they're pondering and they're seeing the future, yeah. and they just accidentally posted too early. Just wait, we're gonna get yeah. all everything that they've said wrong. And everyone's been shitting on them for it's all going to come true. All of it's going to come true. Yeah. <laughs> Allie, so it's like Allie War- yeah, Warfield's going to play Embercleave in the gonna, next historic event. She's going to play Embercleave. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> but like the thing is, she doesn't know it yet, but she loves Embercleave. She loves Embercleave. <laughs> that will be on her gravestone. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, anyway, sorry, Jeff, what were you going to say? Uh, I was just going to say, I think it's only fitting uh, that one of the, you know, Japanese team members won. Although I was kind of hoping for, for Simon to win at one point, just because I saw that he played Mono Black Zombies in Standard. I was like, yes, yeah. come on, Simon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did see one clip where he, um, to win one of his matches, it might have been to get into the top eight, but he was playing against, is it Epiphany? And he had, uh, mm-hmm. his opponent had, um, he, w- he was holding, uh, shoot, divide by zero in his hand. And basically the plan is like bounce one of their things or, or um, bounce their spell and go get mascot exhibition the next turn, slam it and, and go. Um, and so Simon top decks duress. And so then what you can basically do is, okay, I'm going to play duress. And either you let me take your divide by zero or you bounce it to my hand and I or... play it and take the mascot exhibition. <laughs> 
And that's right. how he won by like <laughs> top decking duress, which I love. Duress is good against divide by zero because, like you said, if, if they bounce it, you just recast it and take whatever they learned for it. Exactly. So I just thought that was fun. But that's uh, great. That's great. But yeah, that that duress got him to worlds. Yeah. Um, so kind of from this, what we're looking at and what we've seen through the tournament, um, we'll, we'll probably see in historic some Celestina human stuff, but. Probably there might be some problems, and uh, we'll talk about it in the next section basically. But uh, Golgari food, because it won, is going to be a deck you will see everyone playing. Definitely. And uh, it was already relatively popular before just because it's the type of deck people like. Yeah. And it, it plays uh, a squirrel too. So people like squirrels, you know, that. Uh, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And the squirrel is the best card in the deck too. So yeah. I kind of laughed when I first played against it. I'm like, ah, they're playing the squirrel. And then I was like, holy shit, I have to kill this thing very now. quickly yeah. or i'm gonna lose <laughs> yeah <laughs> that is a crazy one drop where you if you let them untap with it like you're you're probably gonna lose the game that's yeah. insane for a one drop i'm pretty sure yuta takahashi got bumped from the tournament because he was trying like he had unholy heat in his hand and it, he only had three delirium not four to make it six damage and the squirrel was about to go above six toughness <laughs> so he's <Yeah>. like i <laughs> If I had one more I card in my something. if I had one more card in my graveyard that was a different type, I could be able to kill this, but I can't. So I guess that's the that's the game. The squirrel's gonna kill me. <laughs> I'm at 13 life. I have a lot of experience. Yeah. <laughs> I have a lot of experience with the unholy heat versus ravenous squirrel. Like, you know, that that whole yeah. uh, play pattern. And I've only been getting away with it because my opponents make a mistake. They like sack something on my end step. And I'm like, okay, now they don't have enough stuff to sack to get it above six if I do it in response. So, mm -hmm. uh, but like I was at that time, I was just like, if they just don't, if they just untap, I can't win mm -hmm. because my, my removal spell will not be able to take out this one mana threat. My six my, damage removal spell is not, not good enough. My one mana six damage removal spell is not good enough to kill the <laughs> yeah, like, squirrel. <laughs> what format? What format am I playing? What is this? <laughs> Oh um, man! <laughs> yeah, but so you could get away with that on the ladder, but uh, I doubt that uh, Yuta Takahashi's opponents would make that mistake. They would always make sure they can get it above six in response if they have to. Oh, of course, of course. Yeah, it uh, it seemed great. I, there was a lot of positive response about the championship on Twitter, specifically just about coverage and how uh, mm -hmm. how much how many games they were being able to pack into it. And how, like, the little frivolous things in between were getting cut out and they were being, um, there's more game footage, which is exactly... Oh, perfect. That's, what, that's exactly what we wanted. That's what people have been asking for for a long time, right? Yeah. So, um, and this was a lot of, like, streamers who were doing watch parties, who were literally sitting and watching the entire event with a, a audience, just being like, okay, that's thank great. you. This has been the best one. I've watched all of these and uh, it's getting mm -hmm. better. So... It is nice to hear that uh, they are listening to some feedback and changing some things, uh, which is wonderful because that was also our complaint at Worlds. So, so I actually watched just the first round because it happened to be like, I think it was like a lunch break or something. Yeah. I, I forget what time it was. It was, it was on like Friday. On a, yeah. on a Friday mm -hmm. for us, uh, and which was great because round one was Gabe Nassif versus LSV. <sighs> in a mirror match on the deck they on a Rakdos Arcanist mirror match so I was like okay yes <laughs> lo loving this 
And the only thing that went wrong in the time that I was watching was a small hiccup where they had the cameras on the wrong sides. Oh, okay. So I actually, like, it looked like uh, Gabe was playing from LFC's position and LFC was playing from Gabe's position. Um, And I I was rooting for Gabe just because I I watch his, I tend to watch his stream a little more often, Mm -hmm. nothing against LSV, obviously. Um, But LSV had a really sick start to that game that looked like it might even be insurmountable. And I was like, yeah, go Gabe. And then they're like, one second. And then they flip everything. And it was like, oh, wait, LSV is winning. Okay. Interesting, interesting. (laughs) You're like, hmm, all right. So (laughs) I changed my feelings about this. (laughs) Yeah, go LSV. Yeah. Uh, They pulled the old switcheroo on me. But the cool thing was that um, in the like 45 minutes or whatever that I had it on, I think there were three matches of Magic. Yeah, um, which is awesome. I had... Or like two and a half because we came into game three of one of them or whatever. Exactly. But um, that's exactly the kind of stuff that we needed and we wanted. Uh, So happy for that. Um, I know I was telling everyone I was going to take work off to (laughs) specifically (laughs) watch Magic this weekend. I wish I could have. Um, but of course it's holiday season. So, uh, Christmas parties are a Bruin. Uh, so I'm doing lots of that stuff, but, uh, excited for the next one. Um, and happy that things are moving upwards, even though we don't have, maybe it's good that we don't have the MPL all the time so that they have, uh, mm-hmm. there's like more time in between to be like, all right, we can actually fix this problem. Cause we don't have to do it for another three months or something. So, right. I think that'll be really good. Yeah. Glad to hear it went off well. And, uh, Again, just kudos to this Japanese team. Yeah, utter domination. I We're coming in, like, this might be a couple years of, like, Japanese domination for a while. You know, we had the Czech house, is has been huge. Mm-hmm. Um, but they've been talking about retiring, so someone's got to take the spot. And it seems like Japan wants to do it, so. And I love that Yuda's just going to play whatever, like, blue-red tempo deck oh. is in the format, even when his, his teammates have broken the format with the other deck. But doesn't doesn't matter, I'm going to play the blue-red tempo deck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they they push him out because he had some team his his losses were team kills. <laughs> yeah, and so they're like, "Well, I mean, you didn't bring the deck. That's so what happened. Fuck then. you." <laughs> yeah, they all just put like anti blue red uh, tempo and hate in their sideboard yeah, just, just in case for, we come up against Utah. Yeah, uh, <laughs> they're also like, he doesn't need a spot at Worlds. He has one already. So whatever. <laughs> Ah, maybe he threw it. You know? Hey, that... <laughs> Try to get his teammates at Worlds. What if the Worlds... Well, I guess it's 32 players. They don't have a team that's big enough. <laughs> it's all the Japanese players at Worlds. <laughs> it's just one team. <laughs> they all play the exact same deck list. Yeah. <laughs> I, guess, I guess, to be fair, we are going to have uh, Simon and um, Zachary Keeney in, uh, in Worlds now, so... Uh, <laughs> yeah, great for Zachary too. By the way, he did really well almost all season in the Rivals League, and now you know coming up and he and getting himself a spot at Worlds, awesome. Yeah, and I'm really happy that uh, the prize pool has been uh, flattened a bit. Um, there was some some talk mm-hmm. about that, uh, but as far as like prizes went, like Yuki got two thousand dollars, and then before that, second place was fifteen, then eleven, nine. And then 6,500 and and slowly went down to like 4,500. But then like everybody made some money. Um, But it's nice that like the prizes have flattened out a little bit. To me, I think this is nice. Those have flattened out. Yeah. 
and uh, and they're giving away more world seats. It's not like you have to spike the tournament. You can make the top eight essentially. Right. You just have to make top six and you get invited. I think that's really good. Um, and having more players mm-hmm. at Worlds will make it like this big big event. So I think that's sure. that's so Yuki got twenty. You said. Yeah, Yuki got twenty. Nice. That's that's pretty good pay. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's not like. Yeah. It doesn't need to be like the first place, hundred thousand, second place, five hundred bucks, yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. it doesn't have like because the dis- the discrepancy between first and second is five thousand dollars, which is still an amount, a big amount of money. But like, it doesn't. It's like if you make top eight, you're pretty solid. Actually, no. To be fair, for money goes, if you make top sixteen, you're making forty five hundred dollars, and then the next jump up yeah. is fifth place or sixth place. Sorry, not bad. Not bad for a weekend of magic. Yeah. In any case, if you played in this tournament, to be fair, if you played at all and were dead last, um, which I thought this was funny, actually, Frank Karsten was 250th out of 251. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> he knows a lot about mana bases, maybe not the, not the tournament player. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, he was in the tournament and I was not in the tournament. So um, there's that. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> if you just play, you get $750. So, um, hey. There you go. There you go. All right. Well, I know what I'm going to do next time. I'll just qualify for it. Yeah. So I get my 750 bucks. Yeah. That's definitely, that's just smart. Yeah. I don't know why I haven't been <laughs> even like. Yeah. Why, why haven't we thought of this before? Yeah. Ridiculous. Um, <laughs> anyway, Jeff, my beer is dangerously low. So I think we should go to a beer break. Yeah. Let's do it. This beer break is brought to you by our patrons over at Patreon. That's right. You're already supporting the show just by listening. But if you want to support the show even more, the Patreon is the best way to do that. And when you become a patron, you get an exclusive invite to our after party, which is a mini episode recorded immediately after this one, where we ramble about non-magic things and just stuff we think about. Plus, you get to vote on which one of us you like more by either buying me a beer or buying me a beer. And the way you do that is you go over to patreon.com slash arena regulars and you click the buy Jeff a beer button. That's how you vote for your favorite host. No, you, you click on buy Zach a beer button. That's how you vote on your favorite oh, host. Oh, I, I must have clicked the wrong one then. But. Mm, I don't think you clicked any of them, actually. <laughs> 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 so if you want to go to our Patreon, that's patreon.com slash arena regulars. Please vote for your favorite host right now. All right, so Jeff, I did look up this beer during the beer break, um, mm-hmm. just so we know exactly which uh, brewery it's from. And in fact, it is Good Lot Farmstead Brewing Company. It is both of those things. It's just one long ah. word. Yeah, now that I look at it, that seems obvious, but... Uh... <laughs> it's a little confusing, um, but I do like there are hops on the can, but they have like little raised bits so you can feel it on your fingers. It feel, it's very visceral. It's not just like yes, a that's true. smooth can, um, which I like. Perfect. Mm-hmm. I love when yeah, we can get excited for this cosmic latte. Mm. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I mean, this is just a good round because white stouts, no matter how many times I've had them, they still mess with my mind. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and this is a reminder. Hey, pour your beer into a glass. It's really worth it. Especially with white stout. Yeah, yeah especially with white stout. But Maybe you don't have to do it with other beers uh, that you're like, ah, I've had this a million times, or oh, this is a PBR. But um, if you haven't had the beer before, pour it into a glass. Uh, that's something Jeff taught me. So, you know, there you go. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very important. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's time to talk about the drama of the week. Alchemy. All right. Yes. <laughs> 
So we described it a little bit before, but you know, I'm sure our listeners had a lot of questions while listening to our description of alchemy. So I guess we'll start by just explaining the format again and trying to uh, guess some of their questions because we've had this probably similar questions and seen it sort of around in the multiverse. Um, so let's just talk about what the format actually is first. Yeah, so this is a... Alchemy is a standard rotating format. So all the cards that are um, legal in alchemy are legal and standard. However, mm -hmm. there are a portion of them that have been rebalanced, aka they've been nerfed or buffed, depending on what um, the arena crew or Watsi was hoping for that card. So if people seem to be complaining a lot about bannings or something in alchemy, that card could be rebalanced so that it's more balanced for the metagame, which... That seems like a really smart decision for a digital format, in my opinion. Um, that, I don't know. People complain about that all the time. Um, sorry, that's getting more into yeah. my opinions. I should just be talking about exactly what the format <laughs> is right now. Perfect. So the rebalancing of cards, that is a big, big portion of it. But there's something else, and we talked about this earlier. Yeah, so they're also releasing new to magic, like new to digital, I guess they're calling them. Magic cards. So this is very similar to like uh, Historic Horizons, uh, Jumpstart Historic Horizons, which had the historic only, digital only cards that would never see print because they don't work offline. They're doing the same thing. And as I understand it, they're releasing a like mini new to digital set alongside every standard expansion. Yes, that's correct. Anytime standard rotates or receives a new set, Alchemy will also receive new digital only cards along with that set. Um, so they're going to be releasing the Innistrad Companion new to digital cards uh, when Alchemy drops. Yeah. So what I kind of think about these cards is like, yes, they are digital only versions. So a lot of them are like, they use the Seek mechanic or Conjure or different things where um, you literally couldn't do it in paper, which is the digital part. Mm -hmm. But also we've already been doing this thing where there are cards that are legal in standard that aren't in booster packs that are in set boosters right. or whatever, or uh, other supplementary products that are still considered standard legal, and we have them on Arena, and mm -hmm. they feel like they're Arena only because no one really is playing paper standard. But, right. So this isn't completely yeah. new or weird to have like new standard cards that aren't in booster packs we would normally open and draft. Yeah, I remember when um, Throne of Eldraine dropped, Corvold was everywhere on Arena, but it was very hard to get because in paper because commander players wanted it. And then all of a sudden, all the standard players wanted it too. Exactly. So it was like the standard paper metagame was different than the online Arena one because Corvold was just a very expensive card and the best deck online needed three or four Corvolds. And that was just not realistic for a lot of people in paper. Yeah. Um, which is a good segue to how we get these cards. So there will be these alchemy booster packs uh, that you can buy from the arena store. Um, it's not going to be a draftable product because there aren't enough cards uh, that will be in it, basically. So when you open an alchemy booster pack, it will have the alchemy rares and all those different cards. And once you start to get uh, four copies of each of those, they still have um, duplicate protection. And so if you end up collecting, somehow, collecting all of the, the new alchemy cards and all the digital ones mm -hmm. and all the whatever, then you'll start to get whatever standard format you're currently in. You will be getting those rares after that that you haven't already collected. Um, the other thing that's worth mentioning um, is that 
if you for the rebalanced cards mm -hmm. if you open if you have them then you have the rebalanced version and the standard version mm -hmm. so you don't have to like collect crappy gold span dragon when you already have gold span dragon yeah um which is also big thumbs up happy with that mm -hmm. So there are 63 new uh, uh, the digital only cards, and those are the ones that you either have to spend wild cards on or open them in packs, um, which mm -hmm. is, some people are frustrated with this because normally, and we say this too, you get your collection on arena by drafting all the time. Uh, and this is a product mm -hmm. that you won't be able to do. However, we've had a lot of products that were like this in the past. All the anthologies are like this. Um, you just can't buy a whole set of all the alchemy cards. But I think the way that they're rolling this out isn't, it's not as horrible as the internet will tell you. But that's, that. to be fair, that's most things. Uh, <laughs> the internet right, will tell you yeah. something is much worse than it actually is almost all the time. Totally. <laughs> um, and I don't know if we mentioned this at the top or not, but it, it is worth mentioning that this isn't replacing standard. Correct. It's not like standard goes goes away and this is the new way to play standard. It's just a different arena mode. And you can play this ranked or unranked, um, best of one or best of three. It's just a, you know, now it's like we have standard, historic, and alchemy mm -hmm. as our sort of ranked formats. Exactly. I think the biggest thing that people are mad about is actually historic. So seemingly a new format wouldn't have anything to do with Historic. And with Alchemy, the 63 new digital cards that we're getting and the rebalanced cards are going into Historic, which means any card that is getting rebalanced will just forever be that version of the card in Historic. And that seems to be a lot of the okay. drama. That, um, oh, we're, we're looking at different cards or ones that have been banned, like Omnath, for example is a banned card in standard and historic, and it is getting rebalanced and getting reinstated into these formats. Um, I'm yeah. uh, well, To be fair, I don't actually know for sure it's going back to historic, but it will be in alchemy, the, the regular version. That'd be weird if they rebalanced it and were like, still banned though. <laughs> yeah, that would be weird, right? So it's probably gonna be historic. Um, mm -hmm. So that's a the one thing that seems to be a little kind of like, oh man, with this is like, oh, historic's going to change now. And we were literally just talking about deck lists or decks people want to play. And like Luminarch Aspirant is a card that was in Celestia Company that uh, is now getting rebalanced to, it's still a two mana one one that makes, puts counters on stuff, but it act, like it triggers at your end step instead of on combat. So that, I don't know if that's going to like, oh, this deck is nerfed now and you can't play the deck at all. And I lost a bunch of wild cards because I had to do blah, blah, blah. I don't know if it's going to be like that, but it will have some effect. I just, it, 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 we'll see. It just means historic's going to be different. But to be fair, historic mm -hmm. always is like, hey. Historic is shaken up all the time. Historic is just kind of a dumpster fire that we all just look at and then like <laughs> watch tournaments of sometimes. Which I kind of And like. have fun with every once in a while, you know? And it's like, oh, cool. Like, there's this weird deck that is now good and historic. You know? Exactly. <laughs> and I think the main focus of a lot of this is that um, I think in their mission statement when they were talking about alchemy when the announcement came out um, is that the point is to make standard less stale without completely banning everything or trying to, f to, to 
change a bunch of stuff. They're just rebalancing some things. And if you get tired of regular standard, you can play alchemy and just kind of have fun. That's basically what it is. Now they, they do want to have some competitiveness to it. And that yes, we're going to have arena open with it. And yes, there might be some tournaments, but uh, looking at a lot of the cards, it does kind of feel like, Hey, let's experiment a bit. Let's have some fun. Um, just as far as like top level feelings, I'm just going to go ahead and say that I just love this. Um, for me, this is going to be great. I understand like the concerns of wildcard investment and then your card gets nerfed and it's not good anymore. Mm -hmm. Whereas if they banned it, then they would give you back the wild cards, et cetera, et cetera. But you have to understand uh, the bar for getting banned is a lot higher than the bar for getting nerfed. Mm -hmm. So that already kind of makes sense. But I love standard, I think. It's my, probably my favorite format in general to play. And... Um, the only problem with it is that it does get stale. Like with arena nowadays, how many games people play and how many, how much information is being shared. It only takes a couple of weeks before the metagames like locked into three decks. Um, whether those are like the best decks available with the pool of cards doesn't even really matter because they're the litmus test. Now every deck has to be able to compete against those. And so you don't have time to maybe even find the best deck. Cause you know, just play mono white, you know? Um, and so it'd be really cool if they were able to kind of change things on the fly. And the other thing about the whole, uh, oh, I don't want to invest in Goldspan Dragon if it's just going to get nerfed or whatever. It's like, well, it's getting nerfed in Alchemy, though. Like, if you want to play Standard, your Goldspan Dragon's still Goldspan Dragon there. Mm -hmm. And if it gets banned in Standard, you still get your wild cards back. You know what I mean? So... Yeah. If you're worried about that, don't buy a card just for alchemy then. Exactly. Because it could get nerfed. But it, you could still play it standard, so. The other thing to note is, like, people are talking as if alchemy is like, oh, well, now I have to buy all these, these 63 new cards. And, to be, like, the, the main concern is a ton of the, the new cards are all, like, rare and mythic. Um, mm -hmm. So there's a lot of new, like, wild card uh, tension on them. But you don't have to buy them to play alchemy. You can just... No. play it with nerfed standard cards and then if some of those other ones pop up they do but it does it, i mean if you want to win at the start of the format just just play your standard deck that yeah. you know is good and other people are gonna be testing crazy cards that end up being bad and you're gonna you're gonna trounce everyone like exactly i still think you're even with the epiphany nerf your epiphany deck is probably still gonna beat up on decks people threw together with totally new cards yeah that they that are a bunch of random stuff or whatever so i think for the most part um this is just going to be a nice like palette cleanser if you're getting really down on yourself like or down in general um of standard mm -hmm. and then it's great for new players because you are already building decks for standard and not really feeling that you can get into historic because obviously that's just for um if you want to invest more like that that has not changed Historic's already hard to get into if you haven't been playing for a while, don't have the lands. So as you're working towards that, yeah. you can use the standard cards but not get beat up, maybe, by these other decks. Or your deck, you can you might have a better chance. Just go play Alchemy. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It, it seems fine. Also, with, totally. with the nerfing thing and not getting wild cards back, it isn't also talking about the cards that they're buffing. Because, like, right. think about the times, like, what I'm really looking forward to in this is, like, when are they going to buff base camp so that it enters the battlefield untapped? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I, I can't believe I haven't seen that spoiled yet because that's just been everyone's crit criticism. Is like, this card wouldn't even be that good if it 
didn't enter the battlefield tab. Why did they put that extra rider on it? So that this could be the opportunity to be like, hey, are we going to get our uh, our whole like party deck? Party deck, yeah. Um, yeah. Is that going to come together? Because this is the time to be like, oh, well, some of the the numbers are wrong. We'll change the numbers up, or maybe that enters the battlefield thing. We can just erase it. You know. Mm-hmm. I, I'm happy with that. Some of these cards that they're, like, buffing are just weird ones that are like, yeah, sure, let's buff this a little bit. Like, Wizard Class? Yeah, why not? Wizard yeah. Class is the, like, single blue enchantment that cares about your hand size and you draw cards and stuff. And they just kind of made the last ability cheaper that puts counters on stuff when you draw cards. And it's like, sure, right. that makes that... I don't know, even know if it's playable, but, like, you, you try, you know? Why not? Why not? Uh, and they also did it with the same exact buff with Druid class. They mm-hmm. just changed the level three to just three mana instead of five, which yeah. I love because I was already playing Druid class in like some for fun decks I had in standard. So I think that's great. Yeah. It's going to be fun. Um, they did a good job with um, all of the cards that have been rebalanced are very clear because not only do they mm-hmm. have a big like mythic looking A by the name at the very top. So there's absolutely no way you can miss it. There's down mm-hmm. by the little, usually there's a uh, kind of holographic oval if there's an actual physical card. They have the a little Arena A as well, just to show you, this is the Arena version. This is the Alchemy. Or I guess A is for Alchemy, not Arena. But um, <laughs> but um, yeah, which I like. We were talking a little bit about this before, but I like that they added a distinction in that oval space for this product. Because this is something we haven't talked about on the show, because it doesn't pertain to Arena, but Silver Border is changing, where there's no longer going to be Silver Border cards. They're adding like a little acorn stamp um, to the cards that can't be played in Eternal Formats, and other products, or other cards in the same product will also be uh, playable in your Commander decks and stuff. Um, and so the more times that they make this little oval space mean something is better, because then we will be looking at it more often to know, oh, mm-hmm. this is playable in this format or whatever. Um, so I think I, I'm big thumbs up to continuing this trend and uh, making sure that people are aware that that is an important spot to look at and it means something now. Right, and once you've learned that, then you just it's just ingrained, right? Mm-hmm. Um, none, none of us are like, oh, it's weird that I have to look at the set symbol in the right-hand side to figure out if this is legal and standard. It's like, exactly. Well, that's normal. That's like, how nice? What if they did, like, a master set or something where you open it, and then at the bottom, you would be like, oh, this card is legal in uh, Legacy, which means it's legal in, like, <laughs> all these different things. So, like, yeah. oh, or I guess maybe they wouldn't do Legacy because, like, everything's legal in Legacy. But, like, yeah. oh, okay, this one's legal in Modern, which means it's also legal in uh, this or whatever, blah, blah, blah. Um, which I guess they did with the card frame. In any in any case, I think it's a good idea. Um, and I like yeah. that they're going to continue the trend so it's not just a bunch of random things that you have to kind of know as an enfranchised player. <laughs> it wouldn't be too difficult as someone who's new, so... And as far as, like, if we want to start talking about the actual cards, yeah, I mean, we can quickly go through, we've alluded to them, but we can quickly go through some of the actual nerfs here. Um, the nerfs are usually, you know, bigger than the buff. Yeah, more, exactly. Like, more impactful than the buffs. Because we know um, them. Alderaan's yeah. Epiphany. Yeah, Alderaan's Epiphany, finally getting the nerf it deserved. Um, it's Fortel cost is now seven, and you only get the birds if you cast it from Fortel. So you can't just slam it for seven and get the birds. Uh, you got to pay the full nine essentially now to get 
birds at all. Yeah, which I think is great. Really good change. Yeah, really good change. Um, at, at first, I thought they just changed the foretell cost. I was like, I don't know if that's going to be enough. Yeah, I also then, had the uh, same. I was like, okay, is it that big of a difference if they have to do it on turn seven instead of turn six? But yes, uh, yeah. the birds are what make the card a win condition. Right. If you don't have the birds, then that, that's usually how you the combo works is you win the game because you have birds. Um, mm-hmm. So making it so that you have to wait a turn or you can't do it in the same turn is also big. You can't just be like, right. I top decked it. I, I spend that nine mana to take an extra turn and get birds. You can't because if you foretell it, you can't play the card until the next turn. So, um, Right. I that's think, the biggest frustrating thing with the deck too is the top deck epiphany that wins the game. It's like exactly. You should win the game as a late game top deck. That's stupid. Yeah. You can't like double top deck. You can't top deck all wins epiphany, take an extra turn, top deck another one, and then win. Out of nowhere, exactly. Um, which is uh, which is great. Um, which also brings us to Goldspan Dragon, which uh, the only change to that is that when you can target it now without it getting treasures, which is huge. Right. Finally, yeah. it took me a while to realize what the nerf was because I kept reading it. I'm like, it's the same. It's the same. It's the same. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh wait, you can target it. No, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. Because then you can yeah. kill it before combat, and they won't get the mana for their uh, counterspell. Perfect. It's not just right. like this. The problem with this card was that it was a damned if you do, damned if you don't. You're like, oh, well, if they have Goldspan Dragon, I should hold up my removal spell. And it's like, well, they're going to get mana in response and, and deal with that. Yeah. So you're, you're fucked. Whereas now it's like, oh, if they want to protect their Goldspan, they got to wait till seven mana. That's a huge difference. Exactly. Or it's like, um, it was kind of teaching you that you had to play counter spells if you wanted to deal with Goldspan Dragon. Now it's opening you up to right. other colors. So you don't have to just play blue. You can play black and deal with Goldspan Dragon without worrying about them countering your <laughs> removal spell. Like you I don't have to play Soul Shatter anymore. Yay! Yes. No Soul Shatter. No more yeah. fucking Soul Shatter. <laughs> that card is so frustrating. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and, and like you were saying, it when you look at the nerfs, it's hard to realize at first, like, what is this? What is the one? Like, a Seekus Chariot is literally, it's the same card, except for you only make one cat, and the crew cost is two. So you still can crew it with right. the cat that you make, you just don't get two cats, mm-hmm. and crew cost isn't four. But everything else yeah, is Yeah, I like same. this change a lot, because it, it keeps the spirit of the card alive without the crazy snowball effect that it, that it used to have. Yeah. Uh, similar to, like, Faceless Haven... Is just going to be a three mm-hmm. three, and that's the only change. Yeah. It just, not a, it's not a four three anymore. It's just a three three. Which means it can't block a Seekus Chariot or attack through it or not through it, but like trade. Um, the four was actually huge. huge. Like it, it just it's totally different. This is still going to be good, but it's it's not going to be ridiculous. It like just it like makes your attack attacks like there are a lot of times where you attack with this being like if they trade that's good for me. Now it's like you won't be able to trade with the stuff that you want to. So it's not going to be as good mm-hmm. attack. So um, all in all, I'm like, you know, I'm just excited to play this. I, okay, to be fair, when, we, when I first heard the announcement, I was really upset, not happy about it, didn't like what was going on. And it took me some time to sit with it and really think about it and what I actually mm-hmm. want out of Magic to realize that I'm more excited for this change. Um, or not even change, this addition. It's not that much of a change. Right. That's the other thing. It's it's an addition, and you can talk about the weird side effects it might have on historic. Mm-hmm. But how often is it really coming up that you spent wild cards on a card for historic, 
and then that card was too broken and standard and needed to be nerfed for alchemy. Like that's not going to happen that often. Yeah. Or you. That's like a tiny little window of card that's too good for standard, but good enough, like good and historic and not broken. Like that's a little, that's a small window. Yeah. And some of it is like, um, like I was saying before, the Luminarch Aspirant thing that they nerfed it a bit. So like it makes it a lot worse. But number one, the deck doesn't completely depend on this card. It's not like you're playing mm-hmm. a combo deck where they ban one of the cards and you can't play the entire deck anymore. It's like, no, mm-hmm. you just lost one of your good two drops. You can still play the yeah. same shell. like, Or you, you can still play the card. You could just There are a lot of things that compete with that slot too, so you can just switch it out for something else. It's just going to be a little different. And that's how magic always works. I don't know. Yeah, th- it's Exactly. This is no different than if they just printed a new card in some historic extra extra whatever set that invalidates whatever card you spent wild cards Exactly. On. It's just better. Yeah. It's Ex- not different than that. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, if they built, if they, they made like a, a, just a much better two drop in white that you would play in that deck and you just don't run this card anymore, that's exactly what happens. Um, right. So I don't see, I, Sorry. I see why you could be frustrated. However, mm-hmm. um, there are ways that you could live your life where you're not as frustrated, and you can see the good it's, side of a lot of things. Because remember, this is It's a, just a different way for them to screw you, historic players. They've been doing this to you the whole time. They're yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So like, <laughs> hey, just like, this is our motto. I, I think I can speak for Jeff when I say this. It's like, hey, just take a breath, drink a beer, and just play some magic, man. Like, have a good time. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't like it don't play it don't play it like play something else and you know what's great alchemy you don't have to play alchemy like you don't right i mean i'm gonna play a lot of it but that's just me i think i'm gonna because this seems like the perfect blend of like drinking beers trying wacky decks and playing standards yeah and you know there's definitely a lot of wacky decks um and uh, i think we should get into some of these new cards uh because they are pretty wacky and uh, i do want to know we are recording um on monday nights we have not seen all the green cards yet so uh we won't be able to talk a lot about those ones but we have most of the other ones i believe and i I guess we didn't actually we alluded to the omnath nerf but i don't think we said what it was we did but it's just one x it's one extra mana and instead of it drawing a card on etb it scries one so um jury's out i don't know about this one what i at first i just saw the the text box change and didn't notice the extra mana symbol mm-hmm. and i was like this is still gonna be so fucking good um but with one extra mana like that's a big deal so yeah yeah well, maybe this is this is still a good card probably but not like ridiculous to, to dominate the format busted like yes i i agree with that i think it's going to be quite good but five mana is huge and not replacing itself is very big because that was one of the right. hugest complaints when that card was around was that it just replaces itself when you play it. So even if you kill it, like they could, they, right. they got the card out of it. So, but remember, yeah, but remember that the the joke was it was almost a downside the draw card trigger because then they can't just play a land immediately. Um, you could kill it in response to the trigger before they got to get any action. Oh, right. (laughs) But it still has an an ETB trigger, so it still has that weakness, Mm -hmm. but the ETB trigger doesn't replace itself. Yeah. Um, So I'm I'm happy with that. And there's no Fabled Passage in in Alchemy. Exactly, because it's only standard. Another reason. So Mm -hmm. if people want to play Evolving Wilds, go right ahead. Uh, Right. 
But I'm still going to build Lotus Cobra Omnath decks, but... Exactly. Uh, <laughs> but going into some of the new alchemy cards, because we were just talking about mm -hmm. lands, there is one I wanted to talk about, because this one is pretty interesting to me. Um, I don't know. I'm, I really like lands, I, not as like a deck type, but as like a, just a card type. Um, oh, yeah. You can do some really fun stuff with lands, and mm -hmm. they have. They've yeah. done some cool stuff. So this is Forsaken Crossroads. So it's a gold land, and it enters the battlefield tapped. Don't like that part. But it says, uh, as it enters the battlefield, you choose a color. So I'm assuming I get to tap for that color, um, which it does. It taps for the chosen color. And whenever it enters... So you get to choose white. Yeah, you get to, I get to choose white. Um, and it says, uh, when it enters the battlefield, you get to scry one. And this is the important part. If you weren't the starting player, you may untap forsaken crossroads instead of scrying so yes so basically it's like oh this is a temple kind of of whatever color i want if i'm on the play but if i'm on the draw it's just an untapped mana source of whatever i need unless you want it to be a temple because you may untap it instead yeah so you could make it a temple so if you don't have a one drop you still can play it as a temple on the draw yeah which is sweet i think this this card like, this is what made me excited about the format. Before, I was like, ah, I didn't, hadn't seen any cards, but I heard the announcement. I'm like, Meh, whatever. But this was like, that is fun. I think that's, there are... This is awesome. There, there are, like, a lot of things about the game that we just kind of innate, like, inherently are just like, yeah, you know, what are you going to do? You can't, there's nothing, you can't give advantage to the player that didn't go first or whatever, all that kind of stuff. And this is one mm -hmm. of those things where you're like, hey, maybe, maybe this is something I need. I, I like anything that's like, hey... When you get to see the, the screen that says, do you want to go first or second? <laughs> I love any card that says, you should go second. You could go second. It's 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 fine. Yeah. So this reminds me a lot of uh, Gemstone Caverns mm -hmm. or Gemstone Mine or whatever it was. Yeah. Which I think was like, if you're on the draw and it's in your starting hand, it just starts on the battlefield uh, and is a tap for any color land. The problem with that card is that it was just used by combo decks to make sure they win on turn two or three or whatever, even on the draw. Mm -hmm. And regular decks didn't really want it. Um, but this card seems like a fixed, quote-unquote, version, where mm -hmm. it's like a lot of decks would want this. Uh, you don't really want this in your aggro deck because you want this to you want your lands to enter the battlefield untapped on the play yeah. in aggro, for sure. Um, but still a deck almost anyone else is at least considering. Very cool card. Yeah. And it's not busted or anything. Oh, so. totally. Yeah, that was great. Um, another, you know, let's just go into cards we are looking at as, as highlights. And uh, one thing that I don't think this card's going to see any play, if at all, but just going on your, I think it's really cool thing, was Patient Zero. So it's a two mana, two, two lifelink. And it says damage isn't removed from creatures your opponents control during cleanup stats. So it's like. <laughs> Damage is it kind of like is uh, the Hearthstone thing mm -hmm. where creatures have health, but only your opponents, and they just take damage. But I love this idea of it's it's patient zero, so it's like they can't recover from when this thing's around. Yeah, uh, uh, I just thought it was a cool card. I think it it probably sucks, but <laughs> this is so funny because this is one of the only cards I was like, fuck this card. I don't like this at all. Nah, I think it's great. I don't want this to be in the format. <laughs> Um, kill this on site. <laughs> Fuck this so much. Um, <laughs> so I, I think it's interesting, right? You play this and then you attack and it's like, is your opponent going to block? Mm -hmm. I don't know. It makes blocking more of a, 
interesting decision. And if they block, it's like they probably have a way to get rid of this. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And then you just lost a creature. Like it makes it interesting if they bl- attack with a two two. If they have a three three, because if they kill this, I didn't make any headway. But if they can't kill this, then I actually made some headway attacking a two two into a three three. Yeah. Um, this card does remind me of that one we had in Ravnica that was like all your burn spells are have death touch or something. Remember that mm-hmm. black card that was like, oh, if you deal non-combat damage, it has death touch. Um, right, it was some sort of creature. Yeah, that, it was kind uh, of like a, yeah. I don't know if it was a legend, but it had that kind of feel. Um, this reminds me of that a little bit, um, which, okay, so the more you talk about it, it's a little bit better. Um, this <laughs> effect being around all the time is awful, but the fact that it's a two mana two two and you can kill it easily, I also like that it has lifelink <laughs> because I, I don't know. It's just funny to me that like, okay, so patient zero gains you life, even though it's just like yeah. can never <laughs> heal, right? Like this is the the first zombie of the apocalypse and it's gaining right. you life. I just like that. That's uh, <laughs> funny, but uh, no, it is a really interesting effect. Um, that uh, obviously is a lot easier to keep track of when you're online. Right. It'll just have a big red two that just won't go away at the end of the yeah. turn. You don't have to like track it. Um, I did like this card, which obviously it has to be in, in paper, but or sorry, in uh, in digital. But begin anew, mm-hmm. which is the double green, double white sorcery that's destroy all creatures, and then creature cards in your hand perpetually get plus one plus one. So it's an anthem yeah. for your hand, but you destroy all the creatures. I like this card because creature decks don't play wraths. And this is a way where you could mm-hmm. be like, maybe your creature deck does want to play a wrath. Like maybe there's an instance where that you might want this in some sort of matchup. Um, for sure. That like They've been exploring that space a little bit. But when it's paper cards, it's hard to do because it's always like, oh, destroy all creatures. You gain one life for each of your creatures destroyed this way. Or yeah. Or it's, it's like, not enough of an incentive for it's a like, creature deck to play it. The ones are like, oh, destroy every creature with power four or greater or three or less or all those kinds of things, which makes sense because it makes yeah. you build your deck differently. This makes you play your deck differently where you're like, at a certain right. point, I'm going to start sandbagging some of my creatures and then as we do comments i'm slowly gonna let you win i might lose some life but i'm gonna kill all the creatures and then mine are gonna be buff when i play them and they're all like one and two drops that are better than they were before so um it just seems this one like seems very simple but it did catch my eye because of the play pattern that this just doesn't you like it's kind of says like begin anew you get an anthem effect that says you know or sorry, you get a, um, what's it called? An emblem that gives your creatures plus one plus one, essentially. Um, yes. Not really, but kind of. Um, and now to move on to, let's say, a new mechanic that might move us, I'm guessing, a little more towards cards that we're less fond of. And so mm-hmm. the big theme, I guess, of this set that's showing up on a lot of cards is the like draft from Spellbook. Yeah. I, I guess is the only way to, to that's what it, describe this. That's what it is, yeah. Okay, that's that's the mechanic name. Um, a draft, I guess, or spellbooks. So I don't know. Cards with spellbooks come with a spellbook, which is just a bunch of cards. And from what I've gathered of the ones I've looked at, it's cards that already exist, mm-hmm. but definitely not necessarily in standard. Like we're going way absolutely back not. Definitely, like, <laughs> yeah. a lot of them are just cards that are on arena that we already have programmed. <laughs> right. 
Um, and so maybe I'll just pick one here. Mm -hmm. uh, Ishkana Broodmother is three and a green for a three, five with reach. Other spiders you control get plus one, plus two. And you can play one in a Golgari, exile two cards from your graveyard to draft a card from Ishkana Broodmother's spellbook. And so her spellbook is pretty much all spiders or like cards that make spiders mm -hmm. to make that other spiders you control get plus one, plus two. Now, I didn't actually read the description of this, but I'm assuming that draft means I can pick one and then I can't pick the... Oh, I get three at random and then... Okay. Because I was like, what is draft? <laughs> yeah. Um, but I'm assuming after I take one, it, it leaves the spellbook. Or is that just, it's just three at random every time? I believe it's three at random every time. I don't think you can um, start to count out uh, or write down. Okay, so I already saw these three. I picked this one, so these ones aren't going to come back up. So then I'll see this, this. I think it's just... It just feels like draft is the wrong word then, if it's just like three at random from a spell. Because draft to me means you're taking one and not replacing it. Okay, that does... Anyway. I want, no, I think that, oh, what you mean is... I'm pretty sure that if you draft a card from the spell book, that specific card you took is probably gone. But the other ones you right. saw so, are still there. Yeah, exactly. Okay. That's what I was assuming. Okay, all Just right. because they used the word draft, and draft felt like such a weird card to use, unless you're trying to communicate that the card you took doesn't go back into the spell book. So next time you... You can never get that card twice or whatever. I think it's more the, the same. I think it's the, more the idea that like um, you get a choice is what draft is meaning. Like you get a choice to pick from, which is what like a yeah. draft is. Um, it, it just feels like the wrong word for this mechanic. I, I don't have a suggestion for a better word, I guess. But anyways, what do you think of this mechanic? <laughs> okay, so talking about spell book cards or cards that have this. Yeah. Um, I cannot be bothered to read these spell books. I don't care. And um, it's kind of like Davriel's choices or whatever. There's so many fucking things. Like, I can't... The point... This is what I think. The point of the card is for you not to really know what's in it. You know basically what's in it, but not actually the... It, you're not doing it to get strategic advantage over whatever. It's just kind of to have fun. You push the button. You, you pull the slot machine. You see three that you get. You pick one of the ones that you get and see how best you can play the game with it. Uh, that's how I feel about the cards, and that's how I think they should be played. Um, uh -huh. I don't think you should spend a lot of time memorizing all the spell books and trying to figure out the best way to play all of them. I think that that makes for... Unless that seems fun to you, I don't know. It doesn't seem fun to me, but... Yeah, unless that is that is fun, right, uh, for, for you, then do mm -hmm. it. But yeah, so like if we're not uh, making it clear, these spell books are big. Like each yeah. card spell book is, I don't know, what, 15 to 20 cards or something? Yeah, let me count. Um, it's, specifically, the one we just talked about is 15. At least 10. It's 15, yeah. Okay, yeah. So I think they're all 15. Like, they all look like they're 15. So, and it, basically, an insane amount of words to put on a magic card. I think if you were trying to like analyze how good it was, just replace draft a card from spell book with like draw a spell. Like draw a card that you know is going to be relevant. Mm hmm but it's not going to be a constructed playable card. That's basically it. You're yeah. going to draw a card that you would never normally put in your deck, um, but you do still draw cards. So it's like, yeah, I don't know. A lot of these are like a bears. So they're just like two mana tutus that have a, a, a keyword and then they do this. So the white one, it just is like a, whatever it has vigilance, but like the spell book, basically all the cards are either uh, token cards, taxing cards, auras, or like enchantress stuff, so it's a lot of like we like conflicting strategies. 
that you might get all the wrong cards for the strategy that you're working towards. Or, totally. you know, some of them, it, it's just kind of like, hey, play this. I don't know. Maybe you get the annoyed procession that you wanted, but maybe you get the all the glitters, which doesn't help at all. You know, like, <laughs> you don't know what's right. going to happen. And, and that's how I feel like you should kind of go towards these cards is just like, Cross your fingers, you know, especially because you're playing a, a two-minute two-two and <laughs> that is only drawing you a, a random card, basically. Um, no, I do like that. And, you know, I like that, you know, Iskana was a little more simple, I think. It's just like, first of all, looks all spiders. Mm -hmm. and exactly. She's a, she's a spider lord. But I like the idea that it's like, I don't just draw a lord in the late game and I have no other creatures of that type mm -hmm. to make it worth it. So, like. Um, kind of, it's a lord that shores up that weak, natural weakness of lords. Totally. All right. Is there one card in the set before we uh, go to last call here that really, really caught your attention? Ooh. Let's see. I, I have mine. Uh, I have mine in the holster. If you want me to talk about that to give you some time. Yeah. How about you go first, and then I'll find one. <clears throat> All right. So one card. Very pleased to see here. Gitrog. Of, <laughs> of course. How did I not know that? Okay. I love the Gitrog monster. Guys, I played it before. It was cool. Um, one of the, you know, reasons I lament Commander is that the Gitrog monster got expensive. And I was like, no, I can't build stupid Gitrog monster like standard and modern decks anymore because the card is actually worth something. Um, but this is like an homage to the original. It's two black green for a 6-6 six, six menace this time. Mm-hmm. And at the beginning of each combat, if it's untapped, an opponent can sack a creature. If they do, you tap it, and we get to seek a land card and put it onto the battlefield tapped. And then whenever a land enters the battlefield, it gains, perpetually gains, black, green, tap, sack it, draw card. So it's very similar to the original Gitrog monster where you're, like, sacking lands to draw cards. Um, but it has that sort of demon text where your opponent can tap it down if they want to. But at least this time, it's at the expense of losing a creature and giving you an extra land for your uh, to fuel you. So uh, I think this is a pretty cool card. I don't think it's going to be that good, but boy, am I going to try to make it work. <laughs> this looks. I this is definitely one of the ones I first like when I first saw it spoiled. I was like, oh, Jeff's going to fucking love this thing so much. Um, oh yeah, so and I do. <laughs> classic, of course. Um, yeah, it doesn't seem as good as the original one, but I always like when they bring back um, kind of old uh, legendary creatures. And, totally. And, and yeah. you see them in it's definitely line. much worse than the original, mm -hmm. but it has a lot of like things that reflect it, like the same lands, you know, going to the graveyard, getting you cards, and it's a 6-6 six, six and, and all that. So I know this card has been uh, talked about for a bit. Um, some people are saying that it's just like collected company, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> so this is, uh, shocker. It's a white card. Um, uh, inquisitor captain is three and a white for a three, three human cleric with vigilance. And it says when inquisitor captain enters the battlefield, if there are 20 or more creature cards with mana value three or less among cards in your graveyard hand and library, you get to seek two creature cards with mana value three or less, which is, those are cards from your deck. Um, put one of them onto the battlefield and then shuffle the other into your library. Okay, so I guess you can seek them from your graveyard as well. I guess you, oh yes, you can seek them from any of those places. Okay, so um, a lot of people are, like, like I was saying, 
they were trying to say that this is like the Coco card where it's like, oh, this is your four drop, but it's actually a creature that does Coco. Obviously it's not an instant. So that was huge. Collected company really likes being an instant mm -hmm. card. Um, but this idea that, hey, this card likes to say, did you build your deck correctly? Because this is, <laughs> if you have 20 creatures with so, like mana value three or less, there you go. Um, it's also nice. But, but Seek is random, right? So it's... No, Seek is not random. It's not. Right? Is it? it I thought Seek was like, what? I thought it was like the top of your library you Seek that. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. So it's... It's like Coco, but it's random, but you get a 3-3 Vigilance as well. Yeah, and you get a... Like, that's pretty sick. And you get, you always hit. You will never not hit. Right, you're getting three creatures off this for sure. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's pretty awesome. But you do lose instant speed, like you said. And I think it seeks just from your library, I mean, because I think that's just how Seek works. But Yeah. But it, it's like checking your graveyard in hand just in case it's the late game and you only have like 17 creatures left in your deck. You could, this still does something. So... The beer is is uh, hurting me on this one a little bit. I was confused <laughs> at first. Okay, so you seek two creatures, but one of them stays in your library and the other one comes onto the battlefield. So you have the choice of oh, two okay. different cards. I see. That's I see. what it is. So it's an, it is a mini, mini Coco. It's you're a, for sure getting a 3-3 three, three Vigilance and you're for sure getting another creature. And you have a choice between the top two that you find. Okay. So it's... Definitely a cool way to give white collected company type stuff. Mm -hmm. I think it's obviously power level wise worse than collected company, um, but still seems like really strong in it in the mono white deck as a topper. Yeah. Right. Because, yeah, this seems this seems really good. I just also think it's fun because there are a couple other cards that care about twenty or more of something. Uh, so mm -hmm. just having a way of being like. Yep, you build your deck right, or you sideboarded correctly. Don't take out too many creatures and fuck over your combo. Um, <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> I do like that bit, which is obviously the digital only version of stuff. But um, seeing that, I think there's a red one that does it with spells and, and some other things. So, um, but yeah, I'm happy. Over uh, overwhelmingly, I think there are a massive amount of ramp things, ramp or or taxing things where there's a lot of cards that are like, at a certain point, this creature type costs less, or cards in your hand with this right. mana value or more cost less. <laughs> Which is like, holy that crap, is everything either making your Allrun's Epiphany cheaper, or your bonds <laughs> Like, that's basically, like all these blue cards are like- We haven't even seen the green cards yet. <laughs> yeah, and so th there <laughs> does seem to be a, a ton of ramp. Um, but it is interesting because with Allrun's Epiphany, specifically with these cards, they care about um, making cards in your hand cost less, not foretold cards. <laughs> so then you have to decide when you're going to foretell them and all that. So it, I think it will be... Imagine it was like lower the foretell cost of your Allrun's Epiphany in, yeah. in your deck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to zero. <laughs> Yeah, in your hand graveyard, exile zone, or library. <laughs> or sideboard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, um, so it will be really interesting, and it's going to be extremely hard to understand what some of these decks are doing at the beginning, being like, <laughs> yeah. okay, so you have four mana, but one of your cards costs two less? What could you play? I have no idea. Yeah. Or I think I might, yeah. like, I don't really know. It's going to be really, um... I think it's it just, seems so fun. Yeah, it just seems really crazy. And uh, I think 
your best bet is to not put too much effort into uh, trying to break it and just have a good time. It's funny that you brought up the the like pseudo ramp thing because uh, my closing thought was going to be, man, there are a lot of cool ass cards in this set. I can't wait till the most impactful one is absorb energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the counter spell that makes cards in your hand cheaper. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> oh, hey, did you want mana drain? Uh, <laughs> because here you go, basically. <laughs> you get more mana because yeah. you get like six mana off. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, if you have lands and stuff, it won't do it to it. But um, that's true. Yeah. yeah, absorb energy is like a, a cancel, but all your cards cost uh, one less that are in your hand. Oh, sorry, that share a type with the card. That share a type. So it's like just you know, it's going to be like the control mirror breaker where mm-hmm. nobody's going to cast anything in control because if they have absorb energy, they just lose. Yes, <laughs> immediately. Like, if you get absorb energy, you're screwed. <laughs> like, oh, so all you, yeah. so now all your absorb energies cost one less as well. And <laughs> yeah, so now you just have counter spell with upside in your hand. Mm-hmm. Cool. <laughs> Sweet, I love that. Um, yeah. But yeah, anyway, with that, I have finished my beer. Um, I know we are going to talk a lot more about alchemy in the coming weeks or uh continued because definitely obviously this is next week i'll have played it so exactly <laughs> so uh, we will be for sure uh come back if you're interested in more alchemy talk because i'm sure it will be the new hotness and of course we want to stay on what's young and uh, um you know interesting <laughs> uh because we are too wild and crazy guys <laughs> <laughs> yeah we're very uh chic yes or- or on fleek or, or whatever it exactly, is that yeah. people say now. Uh, we have good vibes is what we have. Um, but with that, I think we're going to go to last call. It's time for the big reveal. Here we go. Oof, the most exciting part of every show. Every show. Here we go. Three, two, one. Boom. Yep. Yes. That's what I thought. My boy. <laughs> we picked the amber because we are big heads that love amber. That's right. We picked good lot and or big head and or farmstead and or amber, amber. beer. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just it's too hard not to pick an amber when it's there. When it's like, yep, this is a good amber. I like it. Uh, That's the thing. Good. I feel the need to support good ambers. Mm-hmm. If you want to know anything about this show, so I don't know if this is a big thing with uh, other. I've heard these things where like other beer drinking podcasts or people or whatever are always really big on heavy IPAs or crazy IPAs or like Imperial stouts and stuff. All those are wonderful, but a good Mm -hmm. Amber is probably just going to be my favorite thing. You don't have anything to hide behind, you know, you got to be a good beer maker to make a good Amber. Exactly. You're right. Yeah. There's nothing fancy going on. There's no crazy guava fruit or mango or um, mint or something coffee or yeah whatever. or like chocolate or whatever mm-hmm. um it's just like yeah did you make a good beer or not um so spoiler alert i like this one obviously i picked it so uh yes. jeff let's go into the rankings so we rate beers yeah. on a scale of bronze to mythic which is the same as the tiers in arena which is really handy for us look at that love it uh disclaimer yeah. great coincidence yeah disclaimer uh this has nothing to do with the uh where you are in arena whatever tier you are at don't feel bad if we're bashing your tier um this is just a fun way to rate beers so you keep chugging along everyone goes at the same pace we have all been in all of those tiers so uh there's nothing nothing wrong with that but with that being said bronze beers are trash they're the worst you throw them away you kick them as garbage and you spit it out onto the ground (laughs) 
I did want to interject. You said uh, they shouldn't feel bad if we trash their tier. Um, what if we trash their beer? Should they should they feel bad? Ooh. Yeah, I, I might feel differently about beers. If I trash your beer, yeah. you should probably feel bad about it. No, you know what? Yeah. You like what you like. You know, I don't care. You like what you like. You like what yeah, you if you like. reevaluate your choices. Yeah, if you like Molson Canadian, go ahead. Like, that's fine. Um, hey, Molson Canadian is whatever. It's, yeah, it's very much whatever. Molson Canadian fits right into the following category, which is mm-hmm. silver. These are uh, macro brews uh, or craft beers that don't have a lot going on they you know indistinguishable from the macro brews let's say yeah or just don't you know deliver on what they've promised usually is the case oh yeah that's that's the reason they end up here most of the time yeah uh gold beers are fine you won't really drink them again you won't really think about it it's just like eh, okay yeah solid's kind of the same math but on the other side of things we're like yeah it was good do you mean platinum (laughs) uh yeah what did i say solid Okay, well, solid is a new tier that I'm introducing. It's between gold and platinum. Come on, Zach. We talked about this. Uh, platinum, platinum is the other side of average. It's solid. That's what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you will drink it again. This is great. Uh, I'm never the one that gets to correct Jeff. He always corrects me on what I say wrong, so this is wonderful. Um, diamond beers are exceptional. These are the ones that you uh, keep in notes on your um, phone to recommend to people. And you're like, hey, mm-hmm. this is this is wonderful. I love this beer. You should drink this. Yeah. And Mythic is the best of the best. This is like a picture of this is your phone background. Uh, yeah. That's how good it is. <laughs> so perfect. Um, wonderful. So let's get right into it. Um, let's just start with the beer we're drinking because I have it in my mouth and in my hand and I'm thinking <laughs> about it. Uh, yeah. So I, I will say that both I thought were pretty good this time. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> So Goodlot Farmstead made a, a, a good beer here in Big Head Amber. It's just like exactly what I want from an amber beer. Mm-hmm. It's not too hoppy. It's because amber should be full bodied. Mm-hmm. It has a gorgeous color. As soon as oh, I poured yeah. it into the glass, I was like, yes, that's what an amber beer should look like. Um, not too much head and just it tastes great. I don't know. I think, yeah, same thing. I think it's great. Um I love the color, the taste. Um, it's not too sweet. Sometimes you get like the honey, like the honey brown can sometimes blend into amber and reds a little bit. Uh, but this one has a yeah, nice... Yeah, the brown ambers, they kind of walk a line there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this one isn't on that like honey side, uh, which I like. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I don't know, Jeff, where are you going to put this? I think this one uh, has, has worked its way into diamond for me. I this, think so this too. This is what I want. Mm-hmm. This, this is what, is what I, want. I want when i see amber i'm like this is what i'm hoping to get this is what i was hoping it was going to taste like when i saw it was in an amber so right uh, i think we're on the same page i i like that quite a bit perfect cosmic latte i brought this one mm-hmm. um you introduced me to white stouts on the show and uh i think this one was good i liked it um mm-hmm. you don't get a ton of them so I don't have a ton to like look back to, but I think I like yeah. this more than other ones I've had. Um, that being said, it isn't my favorite style, so it's not going to sometimes break up into like the, oh my God, this is the best thing I've had. But I do think it's good. Totally. And I will definitely drink more white stouts. I'm not saying that I don't like white stouts. I'm just saying that mm-hmm. um, it's harder for a style that's not my favorite to beat a style that 
is my possibly favorite. So. Yeah, I mean, totally. Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> if they were even on par, like, you know that Amber's going to win. So. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and White Stout's such a weird one, especially vis-a-vis our, or relative to our scale, because I like White Stout's, but I don't really want to have them all the time. Like, mm-hmm. part of the appeal is the novelty that it... Exactly. Uh, so if, at home, if, if we haven't explained what a White Stout is, it looks like a lager, but it tastes like a stout. That's basically mm-hmm. the whole the whole gimmick. Gimmick, yeah. A- and it is kind of a gimmick, right? Because if you have them all the time, then you lose that you're you're freaking me out thing that your brain definitely does. But I still do enjoy them because I like stouts, and then I it it really does mess with my mind. I keep looking back at the glass and being like, wait a minute, <laughs> is this what what's, I... what's going on here? Yeah. <laughs> um. So I do think that's really cool. But I don't want to drink a ton of White Stouts because I don't want to lose that part because that's what's cool mm-hmm. about it. Yeah. Um, if White Stout became the most popular, like if, if White Stouts became like the new IPA, it, which it won't, but if that happened, it, I wouldn't be like still on board. I'd be like, yeah, you know, it's, it's kind of over. Um, right. <laughs> but with that, this one being said, like I'm probably just going to put this in platinum because I thought it was yeah, solid. I, I liked had it, it there as well. And I think it's a good representation of if I'm like, hey, taste this. You probably if if someone hasn't had a white stout before, I'm like, this is a really good version of it. Um, but I'm not gonna totally. I'm not gonna be like recommending this to just anybody um, because mm-hmm. there are when you talk to more people about beer, uh, there are people like us who want to try a bunch of different stuff. I mean, there were people that were like, mm-hmm. oh, I love beer, and then you show them some weird things, and they're like, what the fuck is this? And then they kind of write you down in their notes on their phone being like, that guy's fucking weird <laughs> don't, with beer. Don't listen to Zach. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and that I've definitely. I mean, I have that in my phone, but. <laughs> <laughs> That's more about deck archetypes, not about beer. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so um, that was, I would be wary with that one. That's kind of why it's not going to go higher, but it's. I'll, you know. It's definitely like the weirdest one to recommend, right? Because the people that you're describing that don't really want to adventure in beer are the ones who are going to get most like gobsmacked by the fact that this looks like a beer they would like and mm-hmm. it is not. Yeah, <laughs> so it's that's true. Them. They're like, wait, <laughs> but this looks like a Budweiser. Why don't I like this? <laughs> yeah. And they'll be like, something's wrong with it. Can you take this back? I yeah, yeah. Is this, is this rancid? What happened? Yeah, something happened. Um <laughs> But for my standards, I think platinum is a good spot to put it. So um, I'm I'm happy with uh, with platinum. Yeah. Or sorry, I'm right solid. there with you. I like it in yeah. solid. Is I, I, yeah, that's why I invented the new tier was just mm. for this beer. Exactly. Uh, Wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm right there with you. Like you said, it's better than uh, the other white stouts we've had. I think on the show. Yeah. And uh, but it is still hard to rate it too high because. Uh, if this were a stout, I don't think I would rate it in Diamond or Mythic just based on the flavor. The flavor. Alone. Correct. Yeah. And um, I don't think the gimmick of looking like a, an ale or a lager is enough to push it into that. Definitely not. But I am interested in more of their stuff. So um, beyond the pale, I'm coming for you. I'm going to drink your drink your shit. Or I guess your beer. <laughs> uh, but with that. Start with that. We have come to closing time. Yes. Closing time. Yes. Um, if you want to reach us, you can always talk to us at Arena Regulars on Twitter and Instagram. You can also find us on Arena under the username Arena Regulars Podcast. 
If you want to talk to me personally, you can find me at Zulberg. That is Z-E-U-L-B-E-R-G. But Jeff, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter. It's at BluesBruiseMTG, B-L-U-E-S-B-R-E-W-S-M-T-G. And please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. Follow us on all the places that you are listening to us right now. And subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, leave a comment on our most recent draft video. We're going to have some more of those Woo-hoo. eventually. Um, we just drink beer and draft, and it's a good time. So please crack open a beer and, and uh, hang out with us. We'd love that. This has been the Arena Regulars. Reminding you that alchemy is your invitation to the party. Decks. Because... Because party decks are going to be good because they're going to buff some of the cards. Like base camp was really bad, but then they're going to make a new version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not as bad. Good night. All right, that's fine.